Tomorrow, Chico, when I leave this arena, I'm going to have gold on my fingers, gold around my neck, and Hitman, I'm going to have your gold around my waist. He's wrestled around the globe, capturing 32 championships over He's five decades. Of the heart film. He's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. This is excellently executed. You're listening to excellently executed. And welcome to excellently executed. This is the podcast that breaks down the matches of Bret Hart. I'm Derek, and on today's episode, we will be going back to January 24th, 1993. It was the Royal Rumble, and it was Razor Ramon challenging our boy Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Before we begin, though, you might be wondering, why is there a podcast out there dedicated just to Bret Hart matches? Then again, if you're listening to this show, you probably already know why. But if in case you don't, or for those who don't, let me explain. Now, if I were to ask you, why do you like professional wrestling? What would you say? Would you say it's a male soap opera and there's action and it's entertaining? Yeah, those, those are pretty good answers, but it's not the answer I'm looking for. Now... Let me try this again. If I were to ask you, why do you like professional wrestling? And you respond with that it's an art that only few can master. An art that connects with its audience in so many forms in different ways. Then welcome to Excellently Executed. Definition of the word art is the expression or application of of human creative skill and imagination, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty and emotional power. There is no greater artist in professional wrestling than the hitman, Bret Hart. And if Bret is an artist and the wrestling ring is his canvas, then his paintbrush is psychology. And psychology is a reason why I believe that Bret Hart just resonates with people. You gotta think, he hasn't been wrestling in the ring for a a decade. And on top of that, he hasn't been wrestling competitively for 20 years. And then on top of that, most of his fans are fans that he had in the 90s. So that just speaks volumes of his work that... Now, you know, there's Facebook groups dedicated to him. There's Twitter accounts. There's all these stores and and even this podcast. It tells you that Bret Hart has such a hardcore following. And in this podcast, I really hope to connect with you guys because I too am a big Bret Hart fan, a lifelong Bret Hart fan. Now, I have lots of ideas that, you know... Eventually, I hope they can come to fruition, but I'm not going to say anything just yet. We're going to start with this episode. So I really hope you guys like it. I know you guys will like it. And if you do, please don't be afraid to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and leave a review wherever you can. Help the algorithm and help introduce this podcast to other Bret Hart fans. 
But enough of that. Without further ado, I bring you the Hitman versus the Bad Guy. All the matches, all the moments, all the heart. You're listening to Excellently Executed. Royal Rumble 1993. Razor Ramon walks into Sacramento, California, looking to challenge for the belt that is around Bret Hart's waist. But how did this all come to be? Well, let's find out. It all started when Bret Hart won the WWF Championship from Ric Flair at a house show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. If you're interested, the date was October 12th, 1992. Now, Bret Hart was very popular at this point. He had lots of momentum with the fans. So WWE was looking to build him in being the defending champion, taking on all challengers. I know he he took on the Mountie, Shawn Michaels, Papa Shango, and even Virgil. And maybe I'll review those matches on later episodes. Although I don't know about the one about Virgil. Maybe. We'll see. Here's a fun fact for you. that Bret Hart's original opponent was actually supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior. However, Warrior walked out on the WWF shortly before Survivor Series the year before. But I gotta say, it would have been a very interesting match to see Bret Hart take on the Ultimate Warrior. Those two different styles clashing. Would Bret Hart be able to tell a good story? It's really hard to say, and the only time I really remember them ever crossing paths was in WCW in 1998 at Fall Brawl, but it wasn't a one-on-one match. I don't know. If anyone knows if they've ever had a one-on-one match, hit me up on Twitter. I would really like to see it. So with Warrior out of the picture, they needed a new challenger for Bret Hart's title at the Royal Rumble. And Razor Ramon was relatively new to the company at the time, and he was sort of in cahoots with Ric Flair. They even teamed together at that Survivor Series I just mentioned. Ric Flair failed to win the championship back from Bret Hart, so it was kind of only natural for Razor Ramon to challenge Hart for the title. In order to gain traction going into their match, during a Bret Hart interview, Ric Flair and Razor Ramon actually attacked the hitman, Razor also made it personal by attacking Brett's younger brother, Owen Hart. And that's what brings us to this match. So Razor makes his way to the ring, and he has a cocky and confident expression on his face. And he's walking slow, but like with a swagger, like he owns a place. And to further push the point, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, who are on commentary, are just putting over how great Razor looks. So as soon as Razor gets into the ring, we're thrown to the back where Mean Gene Okerlund interviews Bret Hart. All right, Razor Ramon is in the ring. World Wrestling Federation champion Bret the Hitman Hart as the fighting champion. Many title defenses for you since Saskatoon. However, I know this confrontation here at the Royal Rumble with Razor Ramon has gotten personal. Personal. This is way beyond the title match now. He's crossed something, he's crossed a line that he's never going to forget. This is a personal thing, it's a family thing, and it's blood. And you know something, Razor Ramon is going to pay. This isn't just an average title match, he is going to pay for everything. And I am going to defend my family's honor, and defend I'm going to do. All right, very good. World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. You've got a big crowd standing by to greet you. So Bret Hart is wearing all pink, even his Sgt. Pepper jacket, which... 
usually I associate with being black is actually all pink as well, which looks pretty, pretty cool. In fact, when I was looking up Royal Rumble 1993, I found out that uh, a clothing company called Chalkline actually made a replica of this very jacket. So we go back to the ring, and Monsoon builds to Hart's entrance by saying, And when you hear the tremendous ovation when he is introduced... So Brett's original music plays. You know, the one without the guitar squeal. So we cut back to the gorilla position, where Bret Hart's standing there, waiting for Howard Finkel to finish his introduction and as soon as the thing finishes bret hart just charges out to the ring i know i've seen this show so many times i remember watching it when i was like eight years old and i've seen it at least half a dozen times but i still get excited you just know he means business during his entrance we cut to the front row where Stu and helen hart are sitting and (laughs) this is i wish i didn't do this but you're welcome in advance at this time Stu is 78 years old, and that's only 15 years older than what Bret Hart is today. That's oh, that's kind of crazy. That makes me feel old. <laughs> so Bret gets into the ring, and he unzips his jacket, rests it on his shoulder, and hits his trademark pose. And just then, you see the WWF Championship around his waist, the nice, beautiful winged eagle around his waist. And it's just such a great, oh, it's so awesome. Once his theme's over and all the Gaga has died down, Bret Hart takes his title, kisses it, and then hands it over to referee Earl Hebner. And then Hebner takes the title, he lifts it up to the sky, showing the entire Sacramento crowd and everyone at home What is at stake in this match? Brett hops out of the ring and places his trademark sunglasses on some kid's head. The kid looked to be about 8 years old, I guess. And the whole crowd is cheering and applauding. The perfect babyface thing to do. As Brett gets into the ring, Razor walks over to where Brett was, takes out the toothpick from his mouth, and throws it right into that kid's face. The perfect heel thing to do. Brett takes offense of this and he goes on to the attack, raining down blows on Razor Ramon. Razor answers back with some blows of his own and we got a back and forth going on. Razor hits a powerful punch that forces Bret Hart to retreat to the corner. Ramon follows him into the corner and hits him with a hip attack and then he punches Brett a couple of times until he whips Brett hard into the turnbuckle. And this really showed Razor's power And this was kind of like uh, the story of the match, where Bret Hart was going up against a more powerful opponent. The announcers then put Razor over once more by by saying that he's only been here for 8 months and he's already challenging for the WWF title. Ramon then charges at the hitman with a running knee, but Hart moves out of the way and Ramon jams his knee into the turnbuckle. This gives Hart an opening to attack and, and work the leg. And this was often a a common theme in Bret Hart matches where if he was taking on someone that was bigger than him, or like taller than him, like say a Diesel or Razor Ramon, an Undertaker, he would always work the leg. Because you think about it, if you were in a fight against somebody that was taller than you, your first one of your first reactions might be to go for their legs or their knees to kind of chop them down back to size. Perfect psychology. So Brett kicks Razor's leg from under his leg, and Ramon does an excellent job of selling and taking really quick 
Chris bumps. And the quickness of him getting up and then getting knocked down right away kind of works in a few different ways. For one, it's realistic because in a scrap, when you get knocked down, it's human nature to want to get right back up. Like, for instance, take it if you were to trip and fall, your first reaction to get right back up. And number two, every time Razor gets knocked down, the crowd erupts. Back to the match as Hart slaps on the figure four leg lock, but Razor crawls to uh, the, the bottom blue rope and he breaks the hold. Back to the match as Hart continues to hone in on Razor's legs. And Razor kind of he goes back and forth between playing to Hart to stop and taking swipes at Hart, which was kind of entertaining. Hart grabs Razor's legs and just whacks it around the ring post. Back in the ring, Hart has Razor in the corner and he throws a few punches. Hebner starts a five count and if you're not paying attention, you might think that Hebner was starting the five count because of closed fists, but it was actually because Razor's leg was on the outside of the rope, so technically he's on the outside of the ring. So Brett goes to Irish whip Razor into the turnbuckle, but it is reversed and Brett's body just wraps around the ring post looking very nasty and this gives Razor an opening to go after Brett's ribs. So Razor limps out of the ring and he picks Bret Hart up for what looks to be like a backbreaker but instead of Brett's back coming down across Razor's knee Razor kind of uh, alternated or changed the move up and Brett's ribs actually came down across his knee and Razor just kept doing this. Like he kept uh, picking Bret Hart up, coming down with the the ribs across the knee. And Razor kept doing this repeatedly. Back in the ring, Razor continues to target Hart's ribs with elbow drops and kicks. Bret always had a way of selling, which I liked because even though he was in agony, he was always moving and reaching. It just showed that he was still in the fight. So Razor delivers a fallaway slam and the camera cuts to Helen Hart whose hands over her eyes and it looks like she's crying and it really added to the match. It, it's kind of funny because for Bret Hart for being the hero, it's weird when you think about like his, I don't know if it's weird though, that his mom and dad were at every ma- big match of his. Like, I guess, you know, that's kind of, you think about it when you have like, when kids have a soccer game and that, they have their parents there, right? So... I guess maybe it's not weird. I don't know. So Razor Irish whips Hart into the turnbuckle and Bret Hart does his uh, sternum first, chest first into the buckle, which no one in wrestling has been able to duplicate. And you just don't see it anymore because of that. And this is where we get our first pinfall attempt of the match. But Bret kicks out at two. Razor then slaps on the abdominal stretch. Another move we no longer see. It really belongs on the side of a milk carton. And because Razor has the advantage, the crowd is kind of quiet, but you can still tell that they're invested in this match. And Razor is keeping up with being the the bully. While in the stretch, he he's tugging on Hart's hair. He's jabbing at his ribs. He's talking trash to him. And Hart reverses the stretch, and the, this really brings the crowd back up, making lots of noise. Razor then hip tosses Hart, and the crowd comes down again. Razor misses an elbow drop, crowd comes back up. Roller coaster ride. Razor then gets the upper hand again by hitting a shoulder block on Hart and then putting the boots to his ribs. As Hart is down, Razor's just paintbrushing him, slapping him back and forth. Razor then picks up Hart, whips him into the ropes, but Hart ducks the elbow 
and comes back with a crossbody block followed by a pinfall attempt. And when Razor kicked out, he actually threw Hart on to, like, through the ropes to the outside of the ring. Razor goes to reach for Hart, but Hart delivers a sunset flipped attempt. And as he's trying to pull Razor through, Razor sits down on top of Hart's chest. The referee goes to count, but Bret Hart was able to get his legs up and roll Razor through for a pinfall attempt of his own. At this point, Razor just kicked out with force. Razor quickly recovered and put Hart into a chin lock. And I just want to point out that this is also another move that we no longer see that belongs on the side of a mill curtain. Razor then switches it up to a standing bear hug, further working over Brett's lower back and his ribs. And again, I just want to point out that I really like how the heel is constantly bringing the crowd down so that the face can mount a comeback and bring them up. This is really old school storytelling. So the referee raises Hart's arms up in the air to see if he's conscious. They fall, it falls down twice, but on the third attempt, Hart raises a fist in the air and the crowd goes wild. In a desperation attempt, Bret Hart bites Razor's forehead in order to get out of the bear hug. This was kind of uncharacteristic of Bret, so why did he do it? We established at the very beginning of the match that Razor Ramon was the stronger of the two. So this made Brett desperate, and this was the only way that he was able to escape the bear hug. So Razor charges at Hart, and Hart flips him over the ropes. As Razor's getting to his feet, Hart runs and dives between the second and third rope, toppling Razor Ramon in the aisleway. A desperate Bret Hart rams Razor's head into the ringside steps before sending him back into the ring. Hart starts a comeback, mounting Razor with some punches, before Razor shoves Hart off, but Hartley quick, quickly mounts Razor again, delivering some more punches. Hart starts pummeling Razor around the ring as Razor flails trying to escape Hart. Hart delivers an inverted atomic drop, followed by a clothesline, and goes for the pin. Razor kicks out at two. Hart delivers a backbreaker, which usually sets up for elbow drop from the middle rope, aka Brett's rope. However, Razor gets to his feet, and Hart comes off with a clothesline instead. Brett delivers a running bulldog. Another move on the side of a milk carton. At this point, the announcers are speculating why Hart isn't going for the sharpshooter. And Brett has thrown everything at him. He's really thrown everything, including the kitchen sink at him. And he's still fighting. He's still there. Bulldog coming up. Why doesn't he go for the sharpshooter? I told you why. His legs are too long. Brett must be aware that he can't slap the hold on him. How do you know? Unless you try. Well, he's dumb. Brett delivers a Russian leg sweep, and for some reason, Grill Monsoon always called this a neck breaker. And I just want to know at this point, it's becoming how silly many of these moves are no longer used. Although I do think that Kevin Owens might use this move once in a while. So Brett goes for a sharpshooter, and Razor is struggling trying to fend it off, and he's pretty successful since he is more powerful. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Razor is struggling and trying to fend it off. He grabs the ropes and Hart just tugs at him and pulls him away. And Hart's about to lock on the sharpshooter, but Razor grabs the referee's leg and they kind of topple, the referee kind of topples on top of Hart and it forces Hart to release the grip. See, he, he was sizing him up, Brett the Hitman. He knew he couldn't get it on him or he would have tried to put it on him. And Brett drags him back in once again and now folds the legs over. All he's got to do is turn him. He's got it locked in. Can he get him around? 
and the referee gets all tied up. Razor then goes back to working over the rib cage, and he sets Hart on the top rope to do uh, like um, a back suplex. But Hart starts elbowing at Razor, and then Hart does this like really neat little flip over. Did I just use over neat? <laughs> He does this cool reverse flip over Razor Ramon, allowing to carry through with a devastating back suplex. And the crowd starts to rally. Brett hops back onto the second rope to go for another elbow drop attempt. But as he comes off, Razor puts his leg up and hits Hitman in the face with a boot. The bad guy then gets to his feet and signals for his finishing move, the Razor's Edge. As he lifts Brett up for the pinnacle of the move, Brett is able to slide down and reverse it into a backslide pin for a two count. Fresher Razor starts kicking and putting some more boots to the hitman before locking on a test of strength. And I really thought this was an odd placement to have a test of strength in the middle of the match. But Razor kind of makes it work by grimacing in the face of Brett and almost like he's trying to intimidate him. Razor taunts the hitman. And at this point, we get an excellent camera shot of Stu and Helen Hart in the first row before it focuses out onto uh, Razor paintbrushing hard again. Razor then locks on another test of strength and starts to put more boots to Bret Hart. He's just kind of rubbing it in and bullying him at this point, I guess trying to get into his head. Then out of nowhere, Hart wraps his legs around Razor's arms and turns it into a sit-out pin. This was an excellent counter that I've never seen anyone else execute. Bret Hart only gets a two count, but in doing so, while they're kind of laying there, he wraps his legs into Razor's legs, he hooks them, turns them over, and actually turns it into a sharpshooter. Razor submits, and the crowd just jumps to their feet. But Bret couldn't wait, hold him. Wait. He's slapping on them. He's got the sharpshooter. He's got that leg twisted around. No, no, no. All he's got to do is stand up here. No, no. And get that momentum. He's got it. He's got him! Yes! It's over! I don't believe him! I don't believe it! Bret Hart wins by submission at 17 minutes and 52 seconds. So that's the match, but let's go back to the first Tesla strength spot. You know, the one that I said that looked out of place. Now it makes sense, and here's why. When we go to the second one, it doesn't feel out of place as much because we already saw the move. If Razor just went for the test of strength and Hart reversed it, then it might be too much to comprehend because we would notice how out of place it looked. So the first one kind of masked the second one, if you will. So then that brings us to why the test of strength. Well, my guess is that they needed a way for Bret Hart to be vulnerable so that when he went out for the sit-out pin, it would elicit a shock from the audience and as well as set up for the sharpshooter. It was also genius that Brett applied the sharpshooter like he did because he had to try to catch Razor off guard because we, like I said, the story of the match is that Razor is way too strong for Brett. This worked out because down the road at the next pay-per-view, Hart would take on Yokozuna and go for a similar strategy a try and catch a stronger opponent off guard, but we'll get to that in a future episode. I really enjoyed this match, and in my opinion, this was probably Razor's best match. I'm sorry for all those people that, you know, they like the ladder match at WrestleMania 10, but hands down, in my opinion, this is maybe, maybe his match at King of the Ring against Brett might be comparable, but again, I'll have to watch that to see. But this match was just great. It told a great story. 
it just doesn't get better any better than that. David and Goliath. It's very unfortunate because Bret Hart and Scott Hall, they don't really exactly get along. And I don't really know why they don't. Uh, they they Obviously, I, I think they have good chemistry in the ring. But, you know, in the backstage, how Scott Hall was a member of the clique, I guess maybe that might be a start of it. Or, like, in Bret Hart's book, he wrote that, like, Scott Hall was green at the time of this match. And I think Scott kind of might have taken offense to that because he was already in the wrestling business for years before that. But what I really think Brett meant was that he was green to the WWF system and how they work and do things. And on Scott's side, he has said stuff about Brett too. And here's what uh, Scott had to say in an interview in with Total Wrestling Magazine in 2016 about this match. And he said, I quote, I'm not a Bret Hart fan. To me, Bret's really selfish. If you watch, there's points in the match where I'm hitting Bret with what's regarded as a hell of a working punch, and I'm hitting Bret, and he's not even moving. He's not even registering it. It was, it was what it was. He was the new champion, and he needed a win, which he got. So with all that being said, no matter what personal issues Bret Hart has with Scott Hall and vice versa, this was a hell of a match. I really enjoyed going back and watching it. I can't say that enough. And I look forward to talking about further matches down the line. So until that time, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter. And if you agree with me, let me hear it. If you disagree, let me hear it. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Bottom line, I hope you enjoyed this show. I look forward to bringing future shows to you. And until next time, stay excellent.